Hello, friends. This is Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Major League Soccer is set to start its 29th league season, and I've been privileged to serve as a volunteer chaplain for the Colorado Rapids for 23 of those 29 years, and I worked for the club for about three seasons before becoming that chaplain. Well, MLS kicks off with the Messi-led Inter-Miami FC taking on Real Salt Lake tomorrow night, and then the rest of the league begins this weekend. And last year saw a lot of new things with the league, a TV deal with Apple TV+, Plus, a new midseason tournament called League's Cup that saw MLS teams take on Liga Emeki teams, expanded playoffs, and there was a lot more. And this year, <laughs> there's no slowing down. There's a ton of soccer being played here in the U.S., and it should make for some exciting, exciting times. Well, typically for today's podcast, I would have a few of the MLS chaplains on, and we would trade some banter and preview our teams for the year ahead. But to be honest, it's been a busy and furious start to the year for many of us, and I thought I would just do something a little bit different. So stay tuned. I'm going to talk today about a biblical basis for blessing the season ahead. We get started right after this. foot thinking he's going to go far post not strong enough with his right hand whips that one in far post almost made him into they have he has the hat trick the second in his career the third of the night the hat trick hero talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure to the corner goes towards the near post and you're the angle and what a goal what a goal Okay, so many of you know me. I'm a type A perfectionist. I'm a one on the Enneagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I like rhythm and routine. And it's hard for me to get past not having the other MLS chaplains on the pod today, but it just couldn't happen. So I thought I would share about one of the rhythms that I've developed over the years as we get set to kick a season off. For me, there's a fascinating passage in Deuteronomy chapter 20, paints a picture of the nation of Israel as they prepare to go to war, to battle. I'll read it in a moment. But it's important to realize that Israel in the early biblical times didn't have a developed military. It was a conscription-based force that would gather in the springtime, and under the authority of God, they'd go out and defend the farmlands and the grazing areas for their livestock and their livelihood for the year. Well, Deuteronomy 20 provides an instruction that the priests are to come and essentially bless the troops, quote-unquote, prior to entering battle. The main work was to remind them that God was on their side, fighting with them and for them, and that they weren't to be afraid. Now, before I go any further, let me just say that I try to be really careful with the associations of military, war, and warfare when it comes to sport, and especially football or soccer. Of course, historians of sport could comment that many games we have today in sport have been developed out of a mimicry of military training exercises. And, you know, some of these games that we have around today were developed as forms of fitness for training soldiers. And I I don't want to get into all of that. I'm not an expert in all that for sure. And there are some others that are. I reference them. I tell you, go read them. On the flip side, though, there's a balance needed in associating and making parallels between our sporting games and endeavors to actual and necessary war and warfare. And again, there's a lot to unpack in discussing this. And, you know, my mentality, I'm like, oh, we got to chase down every rabbit trail. But, you know, the ideas of just war and these kinds of things, you know, I just hope and pray as you listen today, you'll grant me a little leeway. I'm not naively ignoring some of these larger issues 
But in the development and application of Deuteronomy 20, in my time, I've come to develop this as a blessing for a football or soccer season. So with that little bit of a disclaimer, let me read Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to read in the New International Version, the NIV, to start. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Here, Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. So let me start off by saying that with over 25 years around the sport, I know that we can develop some poor theology when it comes to seeing God in the light of our work, our identity, and so many other things that perhaps surround elite sport. And, and perhaps elite sport amplifies this a bit more, although I don't know that any human being with a passion and gifts and talents would experience this any differently. Whether you're an athlete or an artist, you know, we all can tend to get blurry eyes around seeing God properly. A common question, though, that gets asked of chaplains and sports ministry people is, do you pray for wins? And the answers to that question are really as diverse as the number of people and the different types of sport that exist. Even amongst the chaplains of Soccer Chaplains United, there's some difference of opinion and some great iron sharpening iron kind of discussions that can be had. For myself, though, I hold that even what I currently believe, I, I kind of hold it loosely because I think... Some of my own arguments could be made from differing views, and I'm willing to, to hear those things and to learn and to grow from that. But I want to offer a little bit of a setup before I talk about Deuteronomy 20, and that is this. A key thing for me, and this was a number of years ago, as I was kind of reading about and studying Jesus, teaching his followers to pray, he teaches them to pray this. He teaches them to pray for their daily bread. Now, where does daily bread come from? Well, in sport, wins and winning games can play a significant role in this. So in a simplistic way, when someone asks if I pray for wins, sure, that's kind of my answer. I pray, you know, the athletes, the people that I serve, I, I know they need to find ways to earn and receive their daily bread. And a lot of that comes through wins and winning. Now, I also am part of a team in a club that traditionally hasn't won a whole lot. I mean, they've won, they've won enough and they've won some significant things. But I always put a caveat to this as well, and that is even within the prayer, we pray that the Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So essentially, it's up to the Lord. He knows the hows and the wherefores of how one's daily bread comes. I think this also answers for me the argument about, hey, what if the other team is also praying to the Lord for their daily bread? How do we know who's going to win and who's going to get the daily bread or not? I think it's all up to the Lord. There are things too high and too mighty for me to understand or contemplate or figure out. And so I just, I leave the results to him. But I do think that there's this invitation to pray for our daily bread. So back to Deuteronomy 20 verses one through four. I think that we can carefully appropriate this idea of, as, as we read here in the passage, war against the enemies as an understanding of Moses's instructions here for certain tasks that even today we're involved in. Remember in the beginning, God told Adam that the ground would be cursed because of, of man's disobedience in the garden. Humanity essentially is destined to a toilsome life where our work is hard 
and the ground won't be cooperative, and in the end, death is imminent. That's, that's kind of the summary of, of Genesis 3 and the curse. But now you add in the element of competition over resources and land and the like, and I think this sets us up for a framework for Deuteronomy 20. And that includes the work that many of us have before us. In Israel's case, they need to defend or fight for the land, and this is often before the planting season takes place. This is a part of the work that's necessary for the land that they were inheriting, that they were taking on. So, okay, is this a stretch? I, I don't know, but I think a parallel might exist in that, you know, oftentimes you have two different companies selling a similar kind of product. There's a competition for the consumer's attention, for their, for their money, and, and to, win, to win the sale, if you will. Other things exist too. Maybe you can think of it in your own context. You know, another one I think of is sometimes there's a recruiting for a candidate, for a job or position, and, and we're vying for the best one. And so maybe we make an appeal or an offer, and, and we're competing against someone else that's making similar offers and overtures. And, and so we sweeten the deal, we sweeten the package to try to entice and get that excellent person to come work for us. So there's these other ways that I think, again, Deuteronomy 20 can kind of be applied into some other things. How many of us are, are going to war on a daily basis to fight for our gardens and our lands and these different things? Um, in the first world, not, not so much, right? Um, and, and again, I don't want to minimize or, 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 or lessen what, what this is about, but I think that Deuteronomy 20 has some, some other applications that if we zoom out and take a high level view, we can apply them to these things. So, and I think too, we can apply them to football, to a season beginning for soccer. So the next part of Deuteronomy 20 talks about an overwhelming force. Now, remember, Israel didn't have a professionalized army. They didn't use horses and chariots. They didn't have massive numbers of trained professional soldiers. The other nations did that, and that was intimidating. So one way I've applied this or thought about this is as a volunteer chaplain to the Colorado Rapids, I could look back over the last 26 years that I've been involved with the club, and I could name a handful of seasons where maybe our team felt like an imposing or dominating force. But historically, we've been underdogs. Typically, we're the group that has to work really hard to overcome tremendous odds when faced with the other opponents around the league. But whether we're talking about a football opponent or the other challenges and adversity that exists within the game, the point of Deuteronomy 20, whether it was uh, you know, you know, spoken to the, to the Israel back then or it's spoken to people today, it's never really about the giants staring us in the face. It's more about the promise that follows on. And that promise is keenly understand this, that the Lord your God is with you. So for the footballer, it doesn't matter if they're facing, I don't know, who's, who's the most feared opponent right now, Man City. You know, if the Colorado Rapids took on Man City in an exhibition force, uh, exhibition game, we, we, we'd probably be a bit intimidated by depending on who's lining up across the field for us. Okay, that's one way we could we could view Deuteronomy 20 and maybe an opponent, but maybe the opponent is an injury that occurs and we're, we're in the last part of our career or, or we're in a year in which a contract renewal is, is coming up or or maybe there's some other more difficult things that, that we're faced with. Maybe, maybe a spouse or partner says, I'm done, I'm leaving you. Uh, I'm tired of this game and this nomadic life and I'm out of here, whether they say that to an athlete or a coach. Like there's many different challenges and giants that stare us in the face around 
the sport and industry of football. Well, as Moses reminds the people, he reminds them, hey, remember, this is the same God who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, saying these things would have brought a recollection of that dangerous journey. You know, these people, as, as they're reading Deuteronomy 20 in the moment, as they're understanding and hearing this and experiencing this, they would have remembered because the story would have been told, the slow walk into the desert, the eventual chase of Pharaoh and his armies to bring back their slave labor force, the giving of the law, the wandering in the wilderness that saw a generation of disbelief die off. As Moses poignantly writes in Deuteronomy 20, the same God that saw them through those times, those moments, he's with you. Even now in this moment, in the present day. So maybe for the for the casual the, the farmer turned casual soldier, he's really afraid because like he knows how to work the land, but not so much how to fight another human being. And, and so maybe as Moses is writing, he's the, the, the reminder that God who was on this journey with you out of Egypt is with you today would have been a great encouragement. And again, I think many people in soccer, there's these overwhelming things or an overwhelming thing that confronts them. And rarely is it the person lining up across the pitch. There, there are so many different things based on one's role and position in soccer and maybe too many to get on in the pod. But, but to name a few, you know, think about a footballer who's only known the game for their whole life. And here they face a retirement year. Now the loss of identity. What will I do next? Who am I outside of this game? Or think about a manager. A manager feeling the industry pressure. They've got to put in so many hours watching matches, studying the game, prepping the team, scouting opponents, looking for additions and betterments to the team. And so much, so many of the times this comes at a cost of their own self-care or their own relational health when it comes to family and friends. Look, friends, I've even seen ticket sales agents faced with, you know, they don't make a great wage and there's this challenge to promote a team, sell tickets. Maybe the team's not doing so great in a year. Maybe they're struggling or they don't seem very exciting or sellable. You know, maybe for some of my friends across the pond, they're, they're about to be relegated and it's really a tough sell. And here you are trying to work out your livelihood. And so these are just some of the issues that exist in and around the game. And these aren't even the typical personal issues that someone faces. These are all sort of game, football, soccer related. So in all of these, I've understood that my role as priest or chaplain is to come forward and kind of address those who are assembled. You know, here's where I find the work of the chaplain. It's, it's synonymous and similar to the role of the priest. My job as chaplain, and, and again, I'm a volunteer chaplain, but I'm there to remind them, to exhort them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to uplift them. Listen again to the words that the priest imparts on those waiting to fight. Hear Israel, today you're going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Let, let me read it again in the message version, as I think there's a greater sense of urgency. And, and I think maybe even Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase of this captured me to think about this in, in even a game context in some ways. He writes, Attention, Israel. In a few minutes, you're going to do battle with your enemies. Don't waver and resolve. Don't fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. God, your God, is right there with you, fighting with you against your enemies, fighting to win. 
I know some of you know that I've served, I served a number of years as a hospice chaplain. And if you don't know, hospice is essentially where a person's been given a terminal diagnosis. They, they may have six months or less to live based on certain outcomes and patterns. But the goal of hospice is to make people comfortable as they come to die and to attend to their specific needs as they come up, whether those be physical or emotional or spiritual. Well, many times in those days, I found myself doing a lot of work for patients and their families to remind them about God and his faithfulness, to remind them about God's part in their story, to encourage them not to be afraid, whether those were issues that were confronting them about death and dying or, or maybe about their fears about what's to come after death or how can I be reconciled with God or, or with other people that I've, that I've been so far away from in my life. And as a football chaplain of nearly 25 years, I've had many glimpses at the fears and panic points that exist for people in the game. And I find that the work here in the beginning of the season is neatly encapsulated in the work that the priest in Deuteronomy 20 is fulfilling. Whether I'm standing before athletes or I'm with coaches or, or even spending time with the staff, my role, my job as I see it, for all that lies ahead in the season, the knowns and the unknowns, and there's a lot more unknowns, is to bless, to encourage, to remind, to exhort. And I think this is a beautiful place that a, a soccer chaplain may, may come to do and be for people in the game. And, and the beauty of it too, regardless of one's superstitions, and there's, a, <laughs> there's plenty of people who think that the rev or the chappy is a good luck charm of sorts, there's this reminder that it's the Lord God that goes with people. It's the Lord God who fights for us. It's the Lord God who gives the victory. It's not the chaplain. It's, it's not whether the chaplain travels with the team or is seen as some sort of good luck charm and lots of wins. I, I've had coaches tell me, hey, Rev, we just won that game 4-0. Like, you've got to travel more often with us. Like, no, that's not what it's about, guys. It's the Lord God that goes with us. And I don't find that this is inconsistent at all with the rest of Scripture. Now, is it a guarantee for a win every game or 4-0 every match? No. If it was, Israel would be a world power these days. What it is, though, it's a promise for the people of God that if we will commit ourselves, our lives, our work, our seasons to Him, if we will be reminded of His presence and power and protection— and we'll see him bring about the victories and successes that he intends for us. Well, so much for thinking that this might be a shorter podcast today. I've gone on, hopefully not too long to lose your attention. But I wanted to share that for me, this has become an important reference point as we begin the MLS season. This week, I'm going to be sharing and blessing, encouraging and exhorting and reminding the people and the team that God has me serving from this old text of Deuteronomy 20. As we wrap up, let me share a season blessing. I, I kind of want to end the podcast this way today. I, I wrote this a couple of years ago. It's based on a blend of Deuteronomy 20 and some other passages of Scripture. This prayer exists on our app. You can find our app in, uh, in the Google and Apple stores. Soccer Chap UTD um, stands for Soccer Chaplains United, but um, you can find it as a standalone prayer. Maybe there's a point in, in the beginning of your season you could find some comfort or encouragement. Uh, maybe you want to share this with someone else, what, whatever, whenever that may be. I just want to encourage you and bless you as you hear this and receive this. Hear this season's blessing. Hear, O child of God, today you are beginning the season. Today you are beginning a time of competition. 
against other teams and opponents, for a starting position in the team, for a place in the squad, for a new contract, for a better wage. Do not be faint-hearted. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified or overwhelmed. Don't panic. No matter the odds, no matter the challenges to overcome, for the Lord your God goes with you. He goes before you. He is beside and behind you. The Lord your God is above and beneath you at all times and in all ways. He is with you to fight for you. He is with you to give you victory and success, his success. Whether you need a contract extension or an opportunity or a new opportunity. And whether this be your first season or it be your last, he will watch over you. He is your shade, your protection, the covering over you. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. He watches over your coming and your going. He won't let your foot slip on the pitch or off of it. Trust in him. He gives you the ultimate victory. Amen.